Welcome, everyone. Preparing sermons is uh, one of the most important tasks of a minister, and it's also one of the most difficult. Uh, fortunately, I've been given a lot of leeway in growing into this role, having to preach once a month. I think Reverend Kim at first was like, do you want to preach more often? I was like, you know, let's just ease into it. So I'm uh, thankful for that. But when my turn is coming up, um, I start feeling it. You know, one week, two weeks ahead, my mind starts getting into a, a zone, and I become more attentive. And everything I observe or experience gets filtered through a sermonic lens. Everything has the possibility of bearing some insight that I can reflect on for the sermon. It's like training for a big race or the Olympics. You know, during the week of the sermon, you feel the intensity and pressure start to grow, and it culminates until the climax on Sunday. It's a daunting task because the question always looming over a preacher is, who am I that I should claim to speak a word from God? I mean, that's quite the claim. Do I really have such a close connection with an access to God to speak a word from him? I mean, especially someone as faulty and flawed as I am. It's not easy, and uh, preaching is a serious responsibility. And each time I get into the zone, you know, my wife Deb asks me, do you enjoy it? You know, she has no idea why anyone would want to subject themselves to this stress. I, I share this story because uh, I really felt the weight of this process preparing uh, this sermon and for this passage. I mean, I think, uh, Grace, you prayed a beautiful prayer uh, stemming from this passage, and uh, the praise songs were just beautiful, and uh, the, the solo by James. Uh, today's passage, it's, it's famous, it's well-known, and it's such a beautiful passage. You know, what's not to appreciate and like all about it? It's about the most important theme in our faith, love, right? God's love and the love we experience in community. And there's so many nice things that we can say about it all. But I struggled so much with it. For two weeks, I read books and commentaries to understand context, background, or try to get some new insights. But the more I reflected and read, the more stuck I became. And then I realized that it's because as beautiful as this passage is, it seems so detached from our present reality. And I think Grace's prayer really articulated this detachment. Everything that I read uh, rested on one basic assumption, that we are able to gather and meet as a community. The opening verse, beloved, let us love one another, is a beautiful statement. But what does this mean for people who can't even see each other in person? Right, today's passage was written by John to his faith community. And neither he nor any of the other biblical writers would ever have imagined that we would be unable to gather together. It was just unimaginable. And for over a year now, this virus has broken up our ability to do what God commands of us in this passage, to gather together to worship God and to love one another. 
It's broken up the fundamental way that human beings are wired to live in community with one another. God made it so that our two most essential needs as human beings, spirituality and community, are fused together, inseparable, deeply intertwined. Right? The writer John says, those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Right? The problem is, we have not seen each other. The issue is not whether we don't love a brother or sister whom we see. The issue is that we cannot even see our brother or sister. Many of you on Zoom have literally not seen each other in over a year. Can we really love a brother or sister whom we cannot see? How can we truly be a faith community without seeing each other? I mean, I'm thankful for our technology. I really am. I'm thankful for to Zoom. Uh, I don't know what we have done without it. But we all know how poor a substitute it is for real human connection. At best, Zoom is a form of relational life support. Barely keeps us going. It is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to let love flourish without the real-life encounter with another human being. And without this love for one another, the writer is basically saying that we cannot love God. In other words, according to John, without human community, our relationship with God has also been suffering. And so we have basically been on spiritual life support. Our weekly Zoom services have been keeping us just alive with the pulse until we can meet again. I mean, I am so thankful for our worship service. I truly believe that it's been a spiritual lifeline for many of us. And uh, most of you that I see here on Zoom have been so faithful, you know, coming onto Zoom every week. And it's good to see you in your windows every week. And I believe that our worship service has become a true spiritual treasure. We've really formed it and forged it. The praise is so powerful. The, uh, the prayers and, and all the music and everything. I think it's become a true precious thing. But here's the thing. Most of you who have been coming on are the more mature members of the congregation through Life experience and your own faith journey, you've come to see the importance of spirituality and faith. And so even without the human connection, our worship services have given you enough to just get, at least get by spiritually. But for our younger members, this pandemic has been spiritually devastating. You know, I'm thinking uh, about our beautiful children and our, our youth that, that we saw. I thank Lauren for that uh, video, such a beautiful video. Thinking about them. I'm thinking about our college students and our young adults. For young people, coming online for some sermon on a screen doesn't cut it. 
Even for them, they're the most technologically advanced generation, but for them, meeting online by Zoom is a, is a chore and a drag. For younger people, coming to faith and getting to know God is so connected with their relationships in the community through the love they feel in the community. That's why for our youth, the most formative spiritual experiences often take place at retreats in loving community with their peers. It's through friendships, supporting one another through life's tough times, praying with one another, and even getting into conflict, learning how to work through them, finding forgiveness, reconciliation. All of these relational things teach them about who God is and what God is like. They meet God through the embrace of the community. The fact that our worship service has been missing whole chunks of our young people is an indication that our community has been hurting spiritually. It's like a whole limb has been cut off. And our community is not whole with chunks of it missing. I pray and hope, though, that this summer our young people can somehow reconnect and reestablish bonds with each other in the community. I mean, not only our young people, uh, Reverend Chung this morning, pr morning preached a very moving sermon to the KSM. He remembered members who have passed from us over the past year. He pointed out the specific spots in the pews where they would sit and the love that those individuals poured into this community, love that built up this church. And yes, God builds his church through the people who love God and love God's people. We've been all been feeling this void of separation. The language in public discourse has been about mental health, how our mental health has been suffering. And I think that's true, but I also think it's much deeper than that. It's not just our mental health that's been suffering. Our spiritual health has been suffering. The health of our souls. Without the opportunity to experience God in and through the community, our souls have become sick. Our souls have become sick. You know, Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to a great banquet, a lavish feast full of great food. The initial people who were invited didn't accept the invitation. They are too busy and whatnot. So the master ordered his servants to go out into the streets and round up all the poor, the crippled, blind, and lame to this great dinner. And so the servants did so. But there was still room. So the master ordered them to go out again even farther and gather more so that the house might be filled. Now this lavish banquet was about two things. Food and community. Food that would feed them. Community that would heal them. It was not about one or the other in isolation. 
but both of them in powerful combination, intertwined, inseparable. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Right? We all know food is most delicious when eaten in the company of others. I mean, I don't know about you. Our takeout food, it just hasn't been the same, has it? First of all, it's not as fresh. It's nothing compared to food that comes straight out of the kitchen, sizzling hot. You know, in those containers, it just, it's warm, but it's not sizzling hot. And second, it's just, it's not as fun eating without the laughter and conversation with others. Somehow, good company makes good food even more delicious and enjoyable. We are meant to eat food together. And this is at the heart of our sacrament of communion. Jesus gave his body and blood for his disciples at the Last Supper. And in the same manner, we share the bread and wine with one another in community. And we also share ourselves with one another like Jesus did for us. And in that sharing of Christ with one another, God's grace and spirit is present with us. Communion is a feast where Christ's grace is present in the gathered community. That's why we, we tried doing virtual communion a few times. We stopped because the virtual experience simply cannot replicate the grace that we experience in person. And so one of my hopes is when we come back that we can really enliven our communion to make it a feast and a banquet so that it is truly the presence of Christ in our midst. You know, all the metaphors and practices of our Christian faith feed us as who we are as human beings. They are gifts given to us by God to make us complete and whole people, to feed our souls. Because we can't practice the things that make us fully human, our souls are sick. It's like a body not receiving enough nutrients. Our souls have not been receiving the essential nutrients of community. For over a year, all of you on my screen here, you've been receiving takeout worship. Right? It's been feeding you, but I don't think it's giving you that full joy that comes from community. No, I mean, I, I guess I love praising and kind of dancing around the stage, but it's nothing compared to what it would be like with the full sanctuary when we're all in it together. You know, I believe that this sickness in our souls is at the root of all the languishing, burnout, lack of motivation, concentration, and indifference that we feel. These things are all symptoms of the afflictions in our souls. I mean, you know, over the past year, we've seen so many things that are not right, right? Injustices, inequities, unfairness, suffering and death. And yes, we've been bothered. We've been disturbed, angry. But our souls are too sick to truly care on a sustained basis. 
I mean, just handling our day-to-day -day affairs takes everything we have. And it's like a sick person having to get up to exercise. It's so hard. Our souls are ailing and we don't have the strength and motivation to do much beyond what we simply need to do to survive. Our lives have shrunk to the people and needs of our immediate everyday lives. My friends, we cannot love and care for others when our souls are sick. We need healing for our ailing souls so that they can love again and come into fellowship with God. Jesus' ministry was a healing ministry. He healed all sorts of afflictions. A woman with hemorrhages for 12 years nudged, inched her way through the crowd and came, touched Jesus' cloak just so she could be healed. A blind man named Bartimaeus sat by the side of the road as Jesus passed by and he kept crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People tried to silence him, but he would not be kept quiet. He wanted to see again. And a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, came to Jesus begging for him to heal her daughter who was sick. He said that he was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. But she didn't take that answer. She knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. And then actually, it's kind of disturbing. Jesus became insulting. He said that it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she would not relent, saying that even dogs eat the crumbs that are thrown off the master's table. And in each of these encounters, Jesus did end up healing the people as they requested. Jesus' response in each of these encounters was basically this. Your faith has saved you. To this Canaanite woman whom he had insulted, he said this, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Faith healed them. Faith was their refusal to accept the present situation as final. Faith was a belief that Jesus could heal them. Faith was a tenacity and determination that would not stop until they got what they needed. That is faith, my friends. This is the faith we need right now. A refusal to give in to our indifference, our numbness, and our shrunken existence. Determination to fight against apathy. And belief that God can shake me out of this. Faith will bring God's healing for the sickness in our souls. Our faith will help us love again and keep loving. Now, as people keep getting vaccinated now, it's very encouraging to see. I believe there is hope on the horizon to resume life in community with others. 
And I, I look forward to that. But I think that many people expect that things will somehow just snap back to how they were before. I'm not so sure. It'll just happen automatically. If our souls are still sick without being healed, we won't easily come back together as a beloved community that John writes about. Because if our souls are still sick, we can't love. And, you know, it's like someone like me who hasn't worked out in over a year, suddenly trying to run a marathon. Right? You get injured. Or it's like someone who's fasted for a long time and suddenly uh, trying to eat all the food at a buffet. You'll get sick. You know, uh, we had a meeting last night for our college uh, ministry, you know, and our college students, they're going to have a challenge reconnecting after long absences from one another, after they've gone through their own journey and own changes in life. I think it'll be awkward for many of us, too. I mean, what will we say to one another? Without love awakened in our hearts, it will be easier maybe just to even stay away. My friends, we need to heal our souls now and learn how to love again so that when we do come together as a church and out there in society, we can come together as a beloved community so that we are ready to love this world around us that will need lots of healing, mending, and tending to so that we are ready to do God's work. I mean, I cannot wait for us to be together again with this love. Can you? Let us fight our indifference with faith instead of accepting a shrunken existence. Let us fight to open wide and expand our existence. This is the year to open wide. I believe that despite our present reality, this is God's will for us. So I've reflected on what the best way to strengthen our faith is, the faith that will fight for us. And a message from earlier this year came to me. The way to strengthen our faith is through praise. Praise is a declaration of God's reality, even when I can't see it with my own eyes. These are the songs that we sing, right? I've been so blessed by our praise and music here. And I've never personally listened to as many praise songs as I have over the past year. Really, I haven't. These songs have sustained me in so many ways. So every day, every morning or night, declare your praise for God. Open your mouths wide with praise. And God will fill your heart. Right? Recite and listen to the lyrics of songs. Some of them are so meaningful. I mean, I'm kind of weird this way. Every Sunday I go into the recording of our worship services and I, I listen to these praise songs again. Let them sink deep into my soul. Praise will strengthen your faith. This the faith that will fight for your soul. God will hear our praises and strengthen our faith. God will heal our souls and restore love in our hearts. Let us sing together. <laughs>